More about Jesus would I know More of His grace to others show More of His saving fullness see More of His love who died for me More, more about Jesus More, more about Jesus More of His saving fullness see More of His love who died for me More about Jesus let me learn More of His holy will discern Spirit of God my teacher be Showing the thing of Christ to me More, more about Jesus More, more about Jesus More of His saving fullness see More of His love who died for me More about Jesus on His throne Riches in glory all His own More of His kingdom's sure increase More of His coming Prince of Peace More, more about Jesus More, more about Jesus More of His saving fullness see More of His love who died for me And amen indeed, more of His love who died for me. Uh, Sister Bumi Adishino, thank you for joining us today. Please lead us in the opening prayer. Please say the opening prayer. Wow, okay. I, I, I think she has, uh, she has left the room. Okay, many people have fallen off the Zoom platform. Okay, Sister Fumi, please say the opening prayer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. We appreciate you for yet another opportunity to learn at your faith. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the grace you've given us so far. Thank you, Lord, for you have set us apart for this purpose. And we ask, oh Lord, that your grace will be sufficient for us even through this new face, this second face in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We do not take this for granted, Lord. We ask, oh Lord, that Holy Spirit will assist us Amen. in this new this second face in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. From today, which is the starting point, even to the end, Lord, Holy Spirit will be our guide, Amen. will be our teacher, Amen. will give us understanding Amen. for everything that we ought to know even as we gather, even as we discuss, even as, as we share uh, things together, we rub minds 
and we dig deep into your word, the Holy Spirit, that you give us understanding. Amen. You will open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to everything that we shall read, and we will be better people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. For others who are here to come to the knowledge of your saving grace, we ask, O oh Lord, that such people do we trust wherever they are, and you bring them even into this glorious fold in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Have your way, O oh Lord. Teach us yourself, and let your will be done. In Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer, we are prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, Staff for me for leading us in the opening prayer tonight. Okay, let's just introduce our, our method for this study for those who are joining us uh, for the first time at gospelbearstudio.com and also for the first time here in the virtual studio. We're happy to have you, our dear sister, Sister Dokas Omojola. Uh, is that, would that be your full name? Well, thank you for joining us, and we are glad to have you. Also, we are glad to have you, uh, dear Sister Stabumi Adeshino. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh, she's the convener of the Winning Warrior Wives uh, that uh, leads the prayers on Gospel Street at 5 a.m. every morning. So we are glad to have you. Uh, there are many other people who have signified interest in joining us in the virtual studio, and we look forward to them joining us. For those who are at gospelbearstudio.com, what you can do is to scroll down. You are going to see uh, the meeting notes for the Reader's Club. Just open that PDF. Once you open that PDF, you can follow uh, all the things we are reading and the discussion questions as well. Now, uh, for those who are here in the virtual studio, you already know what to do. Once, When you have to make a contribution, just unmute your microphone or signify by raising your hand. Uh, we'll we, we be, we, we be pleased to call you to join us and to make your contributions or to ask questions. If you are at gospelbearstreading.com and you want to make a contribution, you can just tap the WhatsApp widget on the bottom right-hand corner of our page. Just tap that WhatsApp widget and uh, type your question or your contribution. If you actually want to talk, uh, you can record a voice note or you can call into the studio. If you call into the studio, we'll be glad uh, to put you on air and listen to you. So we all can actually be part of this of this reading and the discussion of this wonderful, wonderful book. Now, uh, we have a permanent memory verse for this study. It is one of the memory verses from last study, uh, the study of Pilgrim's Progress, part one. So please, if, you, if you're in a place where you can unmute and it's quiet where you are, please unmute your microphone, uh, those in the virtual studio, and let's read together our opponent memory verse for this study. For those at gospelbestreader.com, we're on page two. Just scroll to page two of that PDF. Okay, are you ready? Let's read together. Hebrews 11.13 These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, we are assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were pilgrims and pilgrims on the earth. Hebrews 11.13 Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And we're going to find that that is the key to understanding both this book and Pilgrim's Progress uh, Part 1, the confession that, well, we are pilgrims, we are strangers in this world, and this world is not our home. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, who wants a recap of Pilgrim's Progress Part One? Of course, it would take it would take uh, like uh, like a week to do a full recap of Pilgrim's Progress Part One. But we are going to do a very short recap for the benefit of those who are joining us for the first time at gospelbestradio.com and those who are joining us also uh, in the club here in the virtual studio for the first time. I can assure you that you are going to fully fully enjoy these. Uh, the, this reading, it's, it's an excellent book, excellent book indeed. Okay, now for Pilgrim's Progress Part 1. Basically, it was a book about a man who one day discovered that, discovered a book, and that book turned out to be the Bible, he read the book, and from that moment, he became restless, he became restless, he could not just sleep until he understood the book. And the more he read the book, the more he became aware of a burden on his back. He became aware of a burden on his back, and he couldn't shake off the burden. The burden was pressing him down, so much so that uh, he began to seek ways to get rid of that burden on his back. And the more he tried, the more he found that it was impossible for him to shake off that burden on his back. He kept trying until a man appeared to him. That man, the evangelist, appeared to him and said to him, look, there's a way you can get rid of this burden. Just go to that uh, to that gate. He, he, he showed him the way to what in the book uh, was called the wicked, wicked gate, uh, which simply means the narrow gate. Of course, he tried to go. Many people dissuaded him, including his wife and his children. He said to his wife and children, look, I have this burden. And they said, look, don't worry, just sleep. And when you wake up, you, you feel better. He slept, he didn't feel better. The next day, he kept asking about how to get rid of that of that burden. And they started making fun of him. They thought he was going nuts. But he persisted. And then he set out on his way without his, without his wife and his children. He set out to get rid of the burden, uh, to follow the direction of the of the evangelist. Uh, while he was going, two persons followed him, obstinate and pliable. They wanted to dissuade him. Uh, very shortly, obstinate went back, but pliable persisted. They fell into the swamp of despond. And when they got there, pliable was so destroyed. said, look, if this, is, if this is what this journey is all about, I'm not going with you uh, any longer. Uh, when he got out of the swamp of despond because somebody helped him, uh, he met Mr. Wadley Wiseman, who wanted to order to lead him astray. He said, look, don't go to the narrow gate. Uh, there's another way to get rid of your body. So he was led astray until the evangelist caught up with him again and said, why Why are you leaving the narrow way? Just go to where I asked you to go. And then he got to the narrow gate. I don't, I don't want to give many of the details that we are going to come across again. He got to the narrow gate and thankfully he was admitted. When he was admitted, he was told many things. He was told to go to the house of the interpreter. At the house of the interpreter, he was told so many things. When he left that house, he said, look, I have learned profitable things, profitable things. In this study, this uh, Christian's journey, we are going to visit again the house of the interpreter. We are, we are going to learn even uh, many new profitable things. And then finally he got to the cross. It was at the cross that his body fell off. And at, at that moment, we were led to really study and appreciate what the cross symbolizes for us as Christians. And then after that, he met with so many things on the way, including meeting with 
uh, simple sloth and presumption. He met with formalists and hypocrisy. He had to climb the hill difficulty. He met with timorous and mistrust. He arrived at the palace beautiful. Uh, where again he was shown beautiful and profitable things. He had to battle with Apollyon. He had to battle with Apollyon. He had to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. And then he met another man, Mr. Faithful. Faithful was a man who had left the city of destruction earlier on. Uh, they met with Talkative. Talkative was all talk, no substance. They arrived at Vanity Fair, where they saw many people who had set out on the pilgrimage, but who did not go any further because uh, they were... They were held back by the goods and the beautiful things at sale at Vanity Fair. He met with Mr. By Ends. He had to climb the hill, Luca, where he was tempted uh, to forsake his pilgrimage for the sake of money. Uh, he arrived at Doubting Castle. He made some errors. He departed from the narrow road and then got to Doubting Castle. He was imprisoned by a giant. He was beaten by that giant, but then the Lord rescued him. He arrived at the delectable mountains. He met with ignorance. Ignorance who did not come in through the narrow gate, who did not pass through the cross, but was on the pilgrim way as well. The flatterer, the atheist, he arrived at the enchanted ground. And, of course, finally, he grew so deeply in faith, he got to Beulah land, he crossed the river of death, and he arrived at the celestial city. Uh, that's a broad overview, but, you know, as they say, the angels are in the details, in the details, but... I, I recall that our last meeting here, when we read the Celestial City, we all rejoiced at the assurance we have that although we have to pass through many, uh, many difficulties, we can be assured that he is faithful, who has promised to take us home. Now, this book was written by John Boyan. It was written by him in 1678. Can you imagine that? So long ago, uh, the first installment was written by, by John Boyan in 1678. And since then... Uh, according to Britannica Encyclopedia, it is said that at one time, this book became second only to the Bible in popularity all over the United Kingdom. It was second only to the Bible in popularity. In 1678, he wrote this, the first part of this book. In 1684, he, read, he wrote Christiana's Journey, which we are about to read tonight. He wrote Christiana's Journey in 1684. And we are going to find it so amazing that what he wrote so long ago continues to resonate with us. We're not going to begin by reading the author's introduction. That is the introduction by uh, John Boyan himself, telling us why he wrote this second part and why it took him some time to write the second part. And as we go along, after each part, we are going to have discussion questions. Please feel free to join the discussion. If you are here in the virtual studio, just unmute your microphone. If you are at gospelbestudio.com, feel free to send us a text message or to... Uh, to call into the studio or in any way to interact with us. So uh, for tonight, Stafumi Shokaya will read the author's introduction. She will also read chapter one. And Sister Deomi, uh, follow your journey, we read the scriptural passages in chapter one. Then when we get to chapter two, uh, Sister Deomi will read chapter two and Sister Fumbi will read the scriptural passages. So are we ready? We're at page two now, author's introduction. Let us pay attention to the author's introduction as well. There's something for us to... Uh, to to discuss that. Okay, let's begin. Sister Fumbi. Okay, thank you very much. Cortez introduction. Cortez companion. Some time has passed since I told you my dream about Christian the pilgrim and about his dangerous journey towards the celestial country. 
while it was present to me, I also hope it was profitable to you. At that time, I also went on to tell you what I saw concerning his wife and children, and how unwilling they were to go with him on pilgrimage. As a result, he was forced to go on his journey without them, or he dare not, not run the danger of that destruction, which he said would come by staying with them in the city of destruction. Therefore, as I showed you there, he left them and departed. Now it so happens that through a growing number of things to accomplish, I have been kept extremely busy, which greatly hindered any chance for me to travel into those parts where he went. Until now, I had no opportunity to make further reviews about those whom he left behind, so that I might give you an update of what became of them. However, recently I had some concerns, and so I went down again towards the city. Now I took up lodging in the woods about a mile from that place, and as I slept, I dreamt again. Okay, thank you very much. This is a very short introduction from John Boyan saying that, well, uh, reminding us of what he wrote in part one and how, well, it was prevented. I want us to, to pay attention to this second paragraph. He said, now it so happened that through a growing number of things to accomplish, I've been kept extremely busy, which greatly hindered any chance for me to travel into those parts where he went. Meaning that, well, he had always wanted to write about about Christiana and her children, the second part of this book, but it was prevented because he had a great number of things to accomplish. And I want us to re- reflect very briefly, just before we go into, into uh, chapter one. Would Christian literature be less rich if John Boyan had not written Christiana's Journey or Pilgrim's Progress Part 1? What, what of you, do you think Christian literature would be less rich if... Uh, if John Boyan had not written this book or Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, and how significant, how significant is it to prioritize the things the Holy Spirit inspires even in the midst of our busy lives? Because we find that even in this short introduction, there is something we can take away with John Boyan writing that, look, I know that I wrote the first part, but to say I've been kept away uh, by so many things, I couldn't get to writing this second book. Uh, would you, I mean, knowing what you know now, even for those who have not read Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, uh, knowing what you know about this book and knowing that, well, this second part is bringing us all together today, do, would you suppose that Christian literature would be less rich if John Boyan had not written uh, this book? Do you think it would be less rich uh, if he had not written it? And how significant is it for us to prioritize the things the Holy Spirit inspires, even in the midst of our busy lives? Okay, so welcome discussion on this from from the class. From the class, do you think uh, this book, especially for those who joined us in reading Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, would you say uh, that this book has contributed to the uh, richness of Christian literature. There are many books written by Christian authors. Of course, uh, many books written by many Christian authors, different books. The Bible, of course, is the one written by the Holy Spirit himself who inspired the authors. But so many other books, books about prayers, books about uh, books that are just expositions on the Bible. Uh, these two books, Christina's Journey and the first part, Pilgrim's Progress, do you, do you suppose that they contribute in any way to the richness of the body of Christian literature. And uh, should we be thankful for John Boyan, who did find time 
to write. Yeah, so you can contribute on on WhatsApp for those who are gospelstudio.com and for people here in the virtual studio, uh, it's open for contribution for contribution as well. Because personally for me, as I read the introduction, what came to my mind uh, is to reflect on so many things that the Holy Spirit puts in the mind of different people, right, uh, to do. And may, not necessarily to write a book. Sometimes for some people, it's just to maybe to compose a song. So for some people, it's just to write a letter to somebody. Uh, for some, it may be as simple as the Holy Spirit asking you to call somebody, right, to reach out to somebody, uh, to do a particular thing. But the reality is we are all busy in our different lives. We are busy and uh, we are not just busy doing nothing. We are busy doing important things. Uh, maybe attending to your career, attending to family matters, attending to church matters, attending to state matters, other social functions. All of them important. None of them sinful. All of them important. None of them sinful. Yet sometimes they prevent us from doing the things that the Holy Spirit as plays on our heart. And I think reading this introduction, there is uh, there is something to gain here uh, with John Boyan saying, although I've been kept extremely busy, yet now I've found the time to write it. There is, there is that peace, that joy, that satisfaction that comes from us making time out of no time to do the things that the Holy Spirit inspires us to do. Uh, in fact, when we are even too busy, sometimes we don't even listen to the Holy Spirit. We don't hear him uh, asking us to do certain things. Uh, those are the things I think we should be thinking about uh, when we when we read this introduction, thinking about how, well, just consider if John Boyan had not written this book. Of course, it's not to say that if you had not written this book or the first part, that's not to say that uh, uh, the body of Christ would not be as blessed as we are today. We have the Bible. Uh, perhaps some other person would have written it, you know. Somebody else would have written it, perhaps. Or even if the book was not written yet, we will still be well-guided and richly blessed by the Bible itself. But we cannot deny that this book and the first part of this book, they contribute uh, very richly, richly to Christian literature. So much so that, uh, indeed, all of us, well, me particularly, and I know many people who have gone before, including Charles Spurgeon, and many people who have really blessed the Lord for the life of John Boyan, who did uh, write this book. So I think the lesson for us to draw from that is that uh, notwithstanding how busy we are, let us learn to prioritize the things that the Holy Spirit inspires us to do. Is he asking you to call somebody? Is he asking you to write a letter? Is he asking you to visit? Is he asking you to do something? or to make a suggestion somewhere. Uh, yes, you are busy, and rightly, uh, and rightly so. Yes, you are busy doing good things. Uh, just like Jesus said to, uh, said to Martha, 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 you have so many things uh, taking your attention, but Mary has chosen uh, what is right and not be taken away from her. It is important for us to, uh, to prioritize the things that the Holy Spirit has put in our lives, even in the midst of our busy lives. Thank you very much. If any other thing occurs to you regarding the author's introduction, feel free to uh, to to uh, to stop us and say it at any time. Uh, send that text on WhatsApp if you're at gospelbestudio.com or just uh, raise your hand here in the studio or just unmute your microphone. We're going to say it and begin. Again, for those who are just joining, remember that the whole of Pilgrim's Progress Part 1 was the narration of a dream, a dream that John Boyan had. And in this case, again, this is a dream. He said, I, on page, on page 3, he said, and as I slept, I dreamt again. So now we begin chapter 1 of Christiana's journey. 
chapter 1, titled Mr. Sagacity. Okay, so that's me. Go ahead. And uh, do me, you'll be on standby for the scriptures. Okay, Mr. Sagacity. Yes. In my dream, I it a gentleman came by where I live, and because the plans to go part of the way I was traveling, it seems to me that I got up and went with him. So as travelers usually do, we walked and fell into a conversation. Our talk happens to center on Christian and travel, and this is how I began the discussion with the old man, Mr. Sagacity. So I said, what now is that? There below that lies on the left side of our way. Mr. Sagacity said it is the city of destruction, a populous place but possessed with a very ill conditioned and idle sort of people. The people are not well and are very lazy. I thought it was, I said. I went once through that plan myself, and therefore what you say is true. True, true. Mr. Sagacity shook his head. I wish I could continue to speak the truth and have better things to say about those who live there. The news of Christian, Christiana, and their children. Well, sir, I said, I can see that you are a well-meaning man and that you are one who takes pleasure in hearing and telling about that, which is good. Please tell me, did you ever hear what happened some time ago to a man from this town whose name was Christian? For he went on a pilgrimage towards the higher regions. Mr. Sagatis's eyes grew wide. Hear of him? Yes, I certainly did. I also heard of the disturbances, troubles, wars, captivity, cries, groans, cries, and fears which he made and experienced on his journey. Besides, I must tell you all our country rings with tales of him and his adventures. There, he just thought it was the city of destruction. There are but few houses in the city where people have heard of him and what he did. However, some have sought after and got the records of the pilgrimage, and I think I may accurately say that his adventure journey has garnered many well wishers to his Although he was considered a fool by most men when he lived here, now that he is gone, he is highly commended by them all. Or it is said he lives bravely where he is, and many of them who are determined to never reach his hazard have gained the benefit of water for their own mouth through his reward. They may, I said, clearly believe that he lives well there where he is, or he now lives at an inn. The fountain of life. He has what he has. Without labor and sorrow, or there is no grief mixed with it. But please tell me what the people have to say about him. Say, Mr. Sagacity's eyebrow ache. The people talk strangely about him. Some say he now works in white. Scripture. Yet, Thou hadst a few persons in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Revelation 3, verse 4. Now he has a chain of gold about his neck, 
and the crown of gold surrounded with pearls upon his head. Others say that the tiny ones who sometimes showed themselves to him in his journey have become his companions, and that he is as familiar with them where he is, just like neighbors are with one another, one another here. Besides this, it is confidently said concerning him that the king of the place where he is has already bestowed upon him a very rich and pleasant dwelling at court, and he eats and drinks with him every day. Plus, he also walks and talks with him, and receives smiles and favors from him, who is judge of all there. Scripture, thus saith the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then you shall also govern my house, and shall also keep my courts, and I will give you a place among these that are here. Zechariah 3, verse 7. Besides this, it is expected by some of some that is prince, the Lord of that country, will shortly come this part, and will know the reason. If they can give any, why his neighbor showed him so little support and held him in such critical when he understood he would be a pilgrim? Scripture. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of this, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have unfaithfully committed, and of all the hard words which the unfaithful sinners have spoken against him. Jude 14 and 15. Or oh, they say that now his strength shows him much founding, and that his sovereign is very concerned with his indignity and humiliations that were cast upon Christians when he became a pilgrim. He will look upon these actions as if they were done to him. Scripture, he that hears you, hears me, and he that despises you, despises me, and he that despises me, despises him that sent me. Luke 10, verse 16. And this is no surprise. For it was because of the love that Christian had for his friends that he attempted all that occurred during his pilgrimage. I just say that I am glad that that's the end of it. For the poor man's sake, for now he has rest from his labor, I said. And now he reaps the benefits of his faith with joy. He has moved beyond the gunshot of his enemies and is out of the reach of them who hate him. Scripture, those that sow with tears shall reap with joy. He that goeth forth with weep and weeps, bearing the precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. I also am glad that the rumor of these things is heard throughout the country. Who knows? It may have a good effect on some of those who are left behind. But please, sir, while it is fresh in my mind, have you heard anything about his wife and children? 
I wondered awfully about what has become of them. Who? Mr. Sagacity asked. You mean Christiana and her son? It looks like they will do as well as Christian did himself. Although they all played the fool at first, and in no way will be persuaded by either Christian's case or plea. They had second thoughts and re responded wonderfully. They have already packed up and headed out after him. Better and better, I said. The news both pleased and surprised me. You mean to say his wife and children have all left destruction? Mr. Fadassi gave an earnest nod. It is true. I can tell you the story. Every detail. For I was right there at the moment it happened. And I'm thoroughly acquainted with all the details of the matter. And since you were there, I said, you may report it for a truth. You need not have any misgivings when a family Mr. Fadassi said, I mean... The fact is that they have all gone on pilgrimage, both the good woman and her four boys. And since we are, we are as I understand it, going some considerable distance together, I will give you an account of the whole matter and how it came about. Thank you so very much, Safumbi and Sister Domi, for reading chapter one of Christiana's journey for us. And in this chapter, very clearly, uh, John Boyan. Uh, is telling us that he fell asleep. He had a dream. Is he met in the dream he met this man, this old man called Mr. Sagacity. Of course, that means Mr. Wise, uh, a wise man, and or maybe without Mr. Wisdom, if you will. And he said to the man, "Do you know that city of destruction?" He said, "Yes." Do you know of Christian? We had the, so many things that Mr. Sagacity said of Christian. Not the things that Mr. Sagati knew himself, but the things that the people of the city of destruction had come to know about Christian after Christian had left. So whatever happened to Christian, the things we read of in Pilgrim's Progress uh, Part 1, many people in the city of destruction got to know about it. We are going to get to discuss that shortly. And then Christian also, and then John Boyan also asked Mr. Sagacity, saying, okay, what about Christian's wife and children? Of course, we know what they did in part one. We are going to read of it in chapter two. And Mr. Sagatiti said, look, I can tell you about them. I was there. And that's what we are going to learn in the uh, better part of this book. I want us to look at some questions that will lead us to discuss chapter one uh, in depth. Now, the city of destruction is familiar to many of us from Pilgrim's Progress part one. But I want us to look at how Mr. Sagacity uh, how, he, how he described the city of destruction in this chapter. I do not know whether you took uh, you took note of how he described the city of destruction. Does this portrayal align with the state of unbelievers into this world? And in what ways might believers occasionally mirror the characteristics of that city as described by Mr. Sagacity? I want us to pay attention to what Mr. Sagacity said about the city of destruction. And, and I invite us to contribute uh, to discuss whether that description of the city of destruction by Mr. Sagacity, whether it aligns with the state of unbelievers in today's world. And I can give you it to where you can find that description. It's on page four. Mm. On page four. So is anybody there? What Mr. Sagacity said of the city of destruction say? A populous place. A populous place. 
very ill-conditioned and idle sort of people. Exactly. Like possessed with the ill-conditioned and idle sort of people. Exactly. That is, they are not well and are very lazy. And are very lazy. So, so th- there are different versions of this book. Of course, this is not the 1684 version. This is an old, old English version. So we kept looking for more modern versions. Uh, this is what we are reading now is clearly a modern version. There are there are editions that are even more modern than this. So I took this, the one in the parentheses. The people are not well and are very lazy. From a version that is even uh, more modern than what we are reading now. But it explains what John Boyan had in mind there uh, in describing the city of destruction. So let us engage in a short discussion about the city of destruction. Look at this, uh, look at this description. A populous place, but possessed with very ill-conditioned people, people who are not well, and I do sort of people. Would you think, how would you say that the description of, of the unbelieving society fits into this, into this, how the realities of an unbelieving society fit into this. A populous place, ill-conditioned people, people who are not well, and then lazy people. In what way uh, are people who are not in Christ, who are outside the will of Christ, who are not in the narrow way, in what way are they ill-conditioned? In what ways are they not well? In what way would you say they are lazy? Because as we discuss this, then we bring it home to ourselves and ask ourselves whether sometimes even those of us who are below, whether we mirror these characteristics of of the city of destruction as described by, by Mr. Sagacity. Okay, so it's open now. You can reach us on WhatsApp from gospelbearstudio.com and also uh, also here in the studio. If yeah, yeah, you can unmute your microphone and contribute. That's the first question from, from this from this chapter, in what ways, in what ways would you say that the realities of the unbelieving world, the realities of those who are not in the narrow way, in what way uh, do their realities fit into this description of the city of destruction? If you would describe the city of destruction, the city uh, populated by those who are not in the narrow way, if you would describe it, uh, would you use this expression? Okay, we have a contribution here in the chat room. Thank you. Uh, Sister Tutuawuringa for joining us. I know that you are in transit and cannot unmute your microphone. Thank you. This is what she has written. That that description of being lazy resonates with our former president's description of Nigerian youths. <laughs> okay, and she has written on a lighter note. On a lighter note. Okay, you remember that uh, for people who are joining us, uh, many of us are from Nigeria. There may be people at gospelbestreading.com who are not. And, uh, but there was a time that uh, a former president in Nigeria described Nigerian youths as lazy, uh, meaning that, according to him, he looked at the population and said, oh, what lazy people. There must be something he saw in Nigerian youth that made him say, oh, oh what lazy people. So, yeah, Mr. Sagacity looked at the city of destruction. Because, I mean, look at what came before this description. Christian asked Mr. Sagacity, sir, what town is that there below that lies on the left side of our way? Mr. Sagatti said, oh, that's the city of destruction. Of course, from Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, we know the city of destruction. He said, it is a populous place, but possessed with a very ill-conditioned and idle sort of people. In what ways do the realities of the sinful world, the road other than the narrow, in what ways do those realities fit into this description? Again, to hear in the chat room saying, but I think that it depicts the fact that many people are not willing to dig into the word to know about him. 
Okay, so that's the lazy part. Good, good, good. What about the populous part? It's a populous place. Does that not remind us that in this world, we find that uh, the majority of people are not in Christ? Is that, is that correct? That usually you find that wherever you find yourself, just the you find that the majority of the people are not in Christ. Take the world as a whole that, well, you see, and of course, I, I want I want to lead us to one of the permanent memory verses that we read for Pilgrim's Progress Part One, where our Lord said, "Hey, broad is the way, right? Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. There are many who go in by it. So it's a populous place. Many people have always said that whenever you find yourself aligning with so many people, uh, you need to call yourself. You need to uh, to." To, to question yourself and ask whether you are actually on the pilgrim way. Uh, Laos, you have your microphone unmuted. Please go ahead. Yes, good evening. Um, I'll just, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, thanks. Okay, okay, great. I'll, I'll just say um, a few things about yes. um, talking about the people not being well in that city, the city of destruction. Yes. And you have said, and you have asked that we should bring it home. Mm-hmm. to us, to our world today. Yes. And we look at us and ask ourselves, are people in this world actually well? Mm, exactly. Because when we look at ourselves, I look at myself, born a man, mm-hmm. and I wake up one day and I say to myself, exactly. I don't want to be a man any longer. Exactly. Am I well? Is this world well? Exactly. And when, you, when I say is this world well, is because now, you know, it's, Become something that is celebrated all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's not a sickness of just one person. So you even come back to it being a populous thing. Mm-hmm. And governments wants us to celebrate it. Governments wants us to accept it to as accept the norm. It, yes. So yes, if Mr. Sagacity is looking at our world today, he will say the same thing. Absolutely. People are not well. That's my contribution, sir. Absolutely. I mean, thank you so very much. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there. This is this is just the right description for those who are not in the narrow way. It's a populous place. Jesus, our Lord himself said it, broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. So it's, a, it's always a populous place. When, again, I said earlier on, if you find yourself always uh, aligning with the majority on any issue of of, of spirituality on any issue of godliness where you have the many people saying this is the way to go especially the ungodly people the people who have not been redeemed by Christ you should, you should caution yourself and ask because you will always find that more people will be on that broad road that leads to destruction and then as Laosh has rightly said Laosh thank you very much you're just eating on the head it is also populated by ill-conditioned people people who are not well people who are not well and, and you're going to find that be, Anyone who has rejected or has not accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ cannot possibly be well because that, that person who is not led by the Spirit of God would not be led by nothing. That person would be led by the Spirit of the devil, by the Spirit of the, of, of, of the King of this world. And that King of this world, our Lord said to us, he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he has come to do. So the person who is not in the narrow way cannot possibly be well-conditioned. And that is why I love the examples that you gave, uh, the example of people who, I mean, I was talking to my mom recently uh, about genit- what, what we should rightly call genital mutilation, but which is called, uh, you know, sex reassignment surgeries, where for 
for children as young as 12, as 10, uh, once a child like that says, okay, I want to be a man, although uh, I, I, I was born biologically female, there are a lot of people like that at that age to go through sex, sex reassignment surgery. Can you imagine the, uh, can you imagine the horror, the horror of that? Can you imagine the horror of that? So you find that people who do not follow the Lord, who do not follow the Lord, will follow uh, Satan. And Satan, who has come to kill, to steal and destroy, will make them become ill-conditioned. And then I do. What about the idleness part? In this, in this description, the city of destruction, a populous place, we have all agreed on that, uh, populated by people who are very ill-conditioned, we have agreed on that, and I do sort of people. And then you look at what the world does, starting from how people who are not in the pilgrim way, how they spend their time. Of course, there are people who are not in the pilgrim way, we are doing fantastically well, maybe in their careers and in other, other endeavors, but look at how they spend their time, their resources, after what sort of things, just to to seek after pleasure, sensual pleasures, uh, to go to parties. I mean, most times I look at pictures and videos from uh, concerts by secular singers, and I just say to myself, how people, so many, some people find it comfortable to spend their time and resources doing things like this. I do things like this. That would be the I do nice that uh, Mr. Sagasi was talking about. And then anybody who is not spending his time doing the things of God is, the, is, is an idle person. It's an idle person. So you're not spending your time uh, seeking after God, seeking after his will, doing his work. Whatever other thing you're doing would not be anything uh, worthwhile. You, once you're not contributing to the kingdom work, it will not be anything worthwhile. So Mr. Sagazi must have looked at the city of Israel and must have said to himself, wow, what a large place, populous place, ill-conditioned people, and I do as well. Hey, Doc. Yeah, thank you very much. Good for me. Thanks for joining uh, us. Everyone. Uh, I'm sorry for joining a bit late. Yeah. Uh, late, not just a bit late. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the point that uh, uh, Laulu was making mm. say, was very critical in helping us to understand the idleness. So this idleness, because when we read Pilgrim's Progress and we're now coming to this particular book, mm. We must never forget that on the face value, we are reading about characters and places. Mm. But in the actual sense, this is the spiritual depiction, a depiction of spiritual state. Yes. A depiction of spiritual state. To that extent, this idleness is one of the spirit rather than of the body or of the soul. Because it is very easy for those who have become successful in that populous place mm. to challenge the assertion that they are lazy people. They will exactly. tell you that, on the contrary, it is the Christians who want to die in church praying that are lazy and are idle. Yeah. That they, they work so hard, 24-7, yeah. if I possible, 24-4-8, if it were possible. Mm. So they are not lazy at all. And one must give it to them, that they are not lazy in their bodies. Exactly. They are not lazy in their souls. Oh, but they are lazy in their spirits. There is no favor in their spirits for seeking out the maker of all spirits. And that is the idleness mm. that God is talking about here. Exactly. Uh, you, we see the account in First Corinthians chapter 10 was talking about how those who had been rescued from e Egypt got to a place and they had eaten and they had drunk mm. and they arose to, to play. play. And exactly. idleness came in. Now, once that idleness comes in, a man begins to celebrate everything but God. That's what happens. Everything a man but God. A life 
outside sacrifice. So it is a life of pleasure. The opposite of pleasure is sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And the I do spirit does not make sacrifices. And the Bible says that God is looking for his servants who will who have made covenants by sacrifice. Those are the men that God wants to draw close to himself. Exactly. Men who have made covenant by sacrifice. Men who feel that they have homosexual tendencies and they are saying, oh God, instead of expressing this tendency, I will stay celibate. Mm -hmm. This tendency must go away. Exactly. I will sacrifice my sexual pleasure because I see something forbidden occurring within my members. So it's very important for us to understand that that idleness is one of the spirit and that that idle spirit cannot seek to please God. Exactly. I mean, thank you so much, so very much. And you hit it right there, right there on the, uh, uh, I mean, right there on the head is the idleness of the spirit. And that's going to lead us to uh, this next question. I want us to look at it. It says the statement, quote, and many of them who are determined to never risk its hazards have gained the benefit of water for their own mouths through its rewards. Now, this is some use of uh, idiomatic expression here, and it's even an unusual use of that idiomatic expression. But I want us to pay attention. I want to, I'm asking the question, what do you think it means? It bears a deeper meaning. But let's read it in context. Uh, then we're going to reflect, what does this signify and what lesson can we draw from it? It was Mr. Sagacity who said this of the people in the city of destruction, those who have heard of Christian. You know, uh, John Bunyan asked him in that dream, have you, have you heard of Christian? He said, oh, Christian, I've heard of him. And Mr. Sagacity said, so many people also heard of him in the city of destruction. He also said that in the city of destruction, some people actually went out of their ways to get a record of what happened to Christian. <laughs> They got a record of what happened to him. And then some of them, they read it. Now he said of some of them, and this is on page five, first paragraph of page five, if you had gospelbestory.com, said, and many of them who are determined to never risk his hazards have gained the benefit of water for their own mouth through his rewards. Now this is uh, Mr. Sagacity who had said that many of them, they have heard of the Again, I want to take you some steps back to page four. Uh, it said, many of them have heard of the disturbances, the troubles, the wars, the captivity, the cries, the groans, the fright, and the fears which Christian met with. Of course, they, all of them now agree that he's, he's now in a good place. But he said, and many of them who are determined to never risk his hazards have gained the benefit of water for their own mouth through his rewards. And I said, this is following on the heel of what Gwiga uh, just said about, about this being a laziness of the spirit. People who, in their mind, they, they've said, look, we know it's, a, it's in a good place, but no, we're not going to risk those hazards. We're not going to pass through that, that hazardous pilgrimage. And what do they have? Just water for, for their own mouth. Well, you know, when you hear that idiomatic expression say, saying that, oh, one's mouth has begun to water, uh, your mouth already watering at the, at, the, at the sight of food, sometimes just at the contemplation of food, a delicious meal. These people just contemplating the, the glories that are now the portion of Christian, they salivate, they salivate, but... They are determined never to risk it. So they just they are just content to, hmm, yeah, that's a wonderful place. How lucky. Yeah, he tried. 
but you know they're determined to never risk his hazards and i mean imagine what kind of influence uh, that is having on them they read of they read of christian and the glories that have now become his portion of course they also read of the hazards he passed through and many some some others will say well I'm going to follow in the same route. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to, uh, like that hymn we were singing over and over again when we were studying the first part, to be a pilgrim. I'll labor night and day to be a pilgrim. Some people will say that I'll labor night and day to be a pilgrim. Some other people will say, hmm, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love what has become of him. What a lucky man. But no, no, I'm not going to embark on that pilgrimage. That's a part of the laziness of the spirit uh, that Mr. Sagacity uh observed in the city of destruction uh would you agree with that would you agree with that that, that that's what um Mr. was referring to here uh brother me yeah now if if we look at romans chapter 12 okay romans chapter 12 verse 11 seems to bring some of these issues into focus yes and we say not slothful business. Exactly. Pervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Now, if you read the entire context of Romans chapter 12, you will see that the crux or the pivot of those three uh, phenomena is actually the favor of the spirit. Romans chapter 12 is not addressing the soul primarily, or mm. the body, mm. or your capacity to undertake physical action. Romans chapter 12 was talking about a life of sacrifice. Exactly. And from verse 1 to verse 2, was talking about the contemplation of what that life of sacrifice will bring forth. Absolutely. And it says when that sacrifice begins, what will happen is that a man will no longer belong to the popular school. Mm -hmm. He will no longer dwell in the city populace. It will exactly. be a man who will not conform, exactly. but a man who will be transformed. See, that transformed man carries within himself a fervent spirit. Mm -hmm. It is that fervent spirit that produces the equity of business and true service to God. Yeah. So there is no room for such a man, therefore, to be found in an idleness that we wish for reward without hazarding the risk. Exactly. See, because the point here is that we see men who are looking at mouth-watering rewards exactly. without wishing to undertake the risks that bring us to the place of reward. So we see in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse 12, mm -hmm. it says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, the love of many shall wax cold. If there is now anyone who refuses to allow his own love to wax cold, by staying very near the fire mm -hmm. of the master's law, mm -hmm. he says that that man, verse 13, he will then endure to the end. My focus tonight is on the word endure. endure. Exactly. Endure. So the Christian story that we read in Pilgrim's Progress was a story of endurance. And it was this endurance that led to reward. Imagine men now who want to jump over the bridge of endurance and to land in the city of reward. 
Mm. That is idleness of spirit. Exactly. And such men cannot go far. Exactly. I pray God will help us. Amen. 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 And of course, I mean, once we get to chapter two now, we are going to see another another principle introduced, or the principle of saying the bitter must come before the sweet. Uh, it is clear, even from from what. Uh, John Luke wrote in Acts that the those who are going to be on the pilgrim way, the heirs of salvation through much tribulation must follow their Lord. Uh, that man or woman who is not prepared to undertake the hazards of the pilgrim journey will not gain, will not gain eternity. He that shall endure to the end shall be saved. And I love Doc that you emphasize that that very strongly. Uh, the theme of of endurance. So there are many people who will hear. There are some many people who know of the truth of the promise of eternity of the celestial city. But they are just so slothful, so lazy in the spirit that they are not prepared. They are not prepared to uh, to undertake that as well. We have to be prepared as people who are on the Lord's side. We have to be prepared to undertake the hazardous journey, knowing that he that, he that promised is faithful to fulfill it. And of course, again, there's another portion of this, of chapter 1, where Mr. Sagacity uh, explained According to him, what motivated Christian to endure the pilgrimage? Very briefly, let's consider that. What motivated Christian to endure the pilgrimage? Look at it. This is on page, on page six. Mr. Sagatti said, look, yes, he endured all that. He said, and this is no surprise, for it was because of the love that Christian had for his prince that he attempted all that occurred during this pilgrimage. It was because of the love that Christian had for his prince that he attempted all that occurred during his pilgrimage. The question is, well, what drives your own spiritual journey? What, what drives your own spiritual journey? And is this motivation adequate in your view? Would you say the love of Christ is sufficient to carry us through? Or uh, would you say uh, there could be other motivations for, uh, for staying through? To, to, to Christ in the pilgrim journey uh, for enduring all the hardships that we are going to face in the in the pilgrim journey. Uh, is this an adequate motivation, the love of Christ? So sim- would somebody simply say, oh, yes, I love the Lord and my love for my Savior, yes, is carrying me, carrying me on. What would you say, anyone? Uh, brother, my, my first motivation was mm. to avoid hell. To avoid and hell, okay. Yeah, that was my first. The first one, good. Yes, I I, I didn't know anything better. I didn't know the Lord that Mm. much, Mm. and I cannot claim to have loved Him. Yeah. So it was after He saved me from the danger of hell that He introduced Himself to me, Mm. and then gradually, over a space of a few years, by His grace, I grew to love Him. To love Him. And in loving Him more and more, uh, one cardinal part of that relationship that I found very, very solid, very enriching. Yeah. Is the fact that he loves me more than I love him. Exactly. And his love draws me further along, Mm. you know, and it's just a journey of love, to be honest. Exactly. Because (laughs) that's what it is to me now. I mean, I mean, I agree with you. Number one, you've mentioned that he loved you first. And that yes. is, and that's why because he loved us, he drew us out of sin and then turned your heart to him. Then it is after yes. the heart has been turned to him that we begin to realize the scale of what he actually he has actually done. Because that is when we know our eyes become opened and we look at wow, this is what he has saved me from. And then you begin to wonder what was it about me really that he loved? What was it about me that he loved? 
you know, Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him? So why, why was he really mindful about me? And then you realize that, well, you did not work for it. It was all by grace, and then we begin yeah. to love you more. And I suppose that, uh, well, okay, one of the points I also wanted to look at is uh, if a Christian is motivated purely by the desire to avoid hell, would that Christian be better placed, positioned to endure the hardship on the way than a Christian who is motivated by love for a savior? <laughs> well, well <laughs> Prophet, maybe I can use my own uh, uh, understanding. Mm. See, very quickly, very quickly, you will learn that uh, you will avoid hell once you can confess your sin regularly. Yeah. So you don't need to grow in love. And you will eventually then see that your Christian life is deficient because all you will be doing will be a matrix of uh, sinning and confessing. That's all your Christian exactly. life will be. Exactly. So once you sin, you say, ah, hell is near. Then you confess, <laughs> and heaven is near. And when you sin again, hell is near. You confess, heaven is near. You will never be truly close to the heart of the love of the Savior. Yeah. Because you don't even know that love. All you know is that you want to avoid hell. So very early, the Christian life will lack its meaning. And yeah. ultimately, ultimately, the Christian experience will also lack its glue. Yeah. And it's at that point that people just begin to look for various theologies to be able to allow themselves to remain in sin and to expect that grace will abound because that's where it is going. Mm -hmm. The problem mm -hmm. with wanting to just avoid hell is that there will be no development of your vertical relationship. Yeah. So your relationship with God will not develop. What you will be doing is how can I preserve myself so that I, I, I don't go to hell. And after a while, you will struggle and struggle and struggle. And because your love for God is not growing, yeah. your love for the world will keep being strong. You will eventually have to tell yourself lies mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. how you can remain in sin and expect grace to, to abound. abound yeah. That's what that would happen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah, thank you very much. And then we'll find that if we are motivated by love for our Savior, uh, that's when we'll be able to live the truth of James 1 to count my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials because if you are just made by the by oh i just want to avoid hell which is of course a valid a valid motivation as well uh you won't count it all joy you just count it oh very oh this hazardous journey but you know uh, that, that, i mean that's the way that that has been prescribed so i must go through it but then you see a christian who count it all joy why because he knows that well is christ also suffered also suffered and you know that hymn writer wrote saying would christ my I would would Christ my Lord suffer and shall I repine? Jesu aleji, I came to see my sir. So we say uh, the love for Him would always move us, and of course, the love His love constrains us. We have this fourth question, but we're going to address it when we read uh, the second chapter. Uh, the the impact of narratives about the lives of those who have gone before us, and I hope we're going to get to that when we read this second chapter. So if you're at gospelbestreader.com, you can send in your contributions or questions on WhatsApp. Just type the WhatsApp widget. If you are here in the virtual studio, please feel free to unmute and contribute. We want to hear your voice, really. Uh, I love, okay, MC, thank you very much. I love what you're reading there in the chat room. Uh, she has written here saying, I think it's a relationship that grows and the realizing the deep love God shows us, despite our righteousness, makes the love for him deeper. And I agree with you absolutely. The more we realize 
the deep love that God showed us and shows us despite our unrighteousness and that realization will make our love for him to grow deeper. Thank you very much. And that love part is very important. If you are not in love with Christ, with the work he has done, uh, you are not going to count it all joy when you meet with all these trials and the way because if you are truly in love with him, you just say, Lord, I'm just glad to be a part of your work. And we have this on WhatsApp. Amiyoji, thank you. She has written there saying, they enjoy the earthly life than the eternal life. They say you only live once. Exactly. This is talking about people in the city of destruction. They tell you, you only live once. And that's what they are, the ill-conditioned, ill-conditioned people. Okay, thank you all so much. Wonderful, wonderful discussion so far. Let's go to chapter 2, Christiana and her boys. Remember what we are reading off here is Mr. Sagacity telling John Boyan in his dream what happened to Christian's wife and and children. So now, how Christiana decided to become a pilgrim. Chapter 2. Christiana and her boys. How Christiana decided to become a pilgrim. His wife called Christiana. From the day she and the children took a pilgrim's life, after her husband had gone over the river and she heard no more of him, she started pondering all that had happened. First, because she had lost her husband and that a loving bond of that relationship was now utterly broken between them. For you know, Mr. Sagacity said to me, nature can do no less than to entertain the living with many heartfelt and having reflections in the remembrance of the loss of a loved one. In this way, the loss of her husband cost her many a tear, but her thoughts stirred her heart in other ways as well. Christina began to ask herself whether her unbecoming behavior towards her husband was not one reason that she saw him no more, and that for this reason he had been taken away from her in such a manner. With these thoughts came swarms of memories of all our unkind, unnatural, and ungodly demeanor toward our friend and husband. These thoughts clogged our conscience and loaded her down with guilt. In the same way, she was greatly broken and distressed as she recalled all these things too. With restless groans, salty tears, and the mourning of her husband, she regretted how she had hardened her heart against all his pleas and loving persuasions trying to get her and her sons to go with him. All the things Christiana, Christian had said and done before her, while his burden hung in his back, returned to her thoughts, now like a flash of lightning, rending the hold on her heart to pieces. She especially remembered that bitter outcry of ease, what shall I do to be saved? Now his words continue to ring in her ears 
most dolefully. Sons, we are all ruined. I have sinned away your father and he is gone. He would have had us go with him, but I refuse to go along. In this way, I have also hindered you from receiving true life. With that, the tears fell from the boy's eyes, and they cried out, and they wished to go after their father. Oh, said Christiana, if only it had been our lot to go with him, then perhaps it would have fared well with us, more so than, that it, than what it is like now. For formerly concerning the troubles of your father, I foolishly imagined that they were the product of a foolish notion he had, but that he was overcome with depressive mood. Yet now I find this frame of mind was not due to foolish imaginations, for they sprang from another cause. That is to say that the light of life was given him. That is to say a light of the world was given him. When Jesus spoke again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. Was I have the light of life. John 8, verse 12. By the help of which, as I understand now, he has escaped the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is the function of life. To depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 14, verse 27. Then Christiana and the boys all wept again and cried out, Oh, may trouble happened to the day Christiana's dream the next day Christiana had a dream in which she saw a large parchment opened before her it held a recorded summary of her ways to a way of thinking the crimes looked very black against her she cried out aloud in his sleep Lord have mercy upon me a sinner and the public standing afar off could not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke 18, verse 18. And the children heard her. After this, she thought she saw two very offensive ones standing beside her, speaking between themselves. What shall we do with this woman? But she cries out for mercy, whether awake or asleep. If she is allowed to go on like this, we shall lose her as we have lost her husband. Therefore, we must by one way or another seek to distract her from the thoughts of what happened, what shall happen in the hereafter. Or else, all the world cannot prevent her from becoming a pilgrim. She woke in a great sweat with trembling, but after a while she drifted to sleep again. And while asleep, she thought she saw Kristen, her husband, in a place of bliss among many immortals, with a harp in his hand, standing and playing 
upon it before one who sat on the throne. In her dream, her husband bowed his head with his face to the pavement and rested under his prince's feet, saying, I heartily thank my Lord and King for bringing me to this place. Then those who stood round about them shouted and strummed their harps. No man living could do this, they said, except for Christian and, and his companions. companions. Okay, okay, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, let's pause. Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to continue from here tomorrow. We have only one chapter to read tomorrow, so we can continue from Mr. Secret's visit tomorrow. Because I want us to have time to discuss uh, issues from the part we have read today. There are many issues from Mr. Secret's visit as well. I don't want us to rush uh, rush through today. So here we have so far. Thank you very much, Domi and Sister Fumbi, for reading the first part of this chapter two. Uh, number one, uh, Christiana's grief over how she treated her husband and then the dream that she had. And I want us to reflect on, on some of these questions. Uh, do you think that the Holy Spirit employs feelings of guilt over past treatment of a departed loved one as a method to draw a sinner closer to him? Uh, would you agree that the Holy Spirit works in this way? And if yes, uh, what can we learn from that? Grief or guilt over past treatment of a departed loved one as one of the uh, one of the means of drawing sinners. And then I uh, can also consider this question in your own opinion: Are mothers uniquely positioned to lead their children towards Christ? Are mothers uniquely positioned? Because remember, in Pilgrim's Progress, uh, the first part, uh, Christian actually went home to this gentleman. He went home to his wife and his children and said to them, look, he actually made attempt to convince them to follow him uh, to go on that pilgrimage, but they did not uh, listen to him. But in this case, you see the children uh, responding favorably to their, to their mother. Are mothers uniquely positioned to lead their children towards Christ? What makes this maternal role significant in shaping a child's spiritual journey. So those two questions, let's engage with them. Uh, the feelings of guilt. Uh, have you ever experienced it? A, a, a loved one who has gone, uh, you begin to think back and saying, hmm, did I treat him well? Did I treat her well? Or especially a Christian loved one who has gone. Uh, is that one of the means that uh, the Holy Spirit uses to draw people? And do we not find, uh, have you come across stories of mothers, for example, who prayed ceaselessly for their children's conversion, but where those children uh, never became converted in the lifetime of, of the parents, but uh, eventually became converted after the parents had departed? And if you have any experience on this, please do share with us. And then the other question, whether mothers are uniquely positioned to lead children towards Christ. And if yes, uh, what should we be learning from that in the Christian church? Uh, go ahead, Master B. I think um, it depends on the relationship with the children. Mm, okay. Either mothers or fathers, if you are close to your children, you will be, you are advantage you are advantageously positioned to draw your children close to God mm. because you are their own, you are their first, um, how shall I say, point of contact to God. To call God. So if um, for this um, story, it mm. must be that Christiana was the closer one to the children, to the children than um, Christian was. Exactly. Um, the feeling of guilt, but mm. yes, I, I, I will, it, will I call it guilt? <laughs> Maybe it's um, 
uh, what will I call it now? Uh, I think there's another word should be <laughs> used instead of guilt. Okay. But I have an experience anyway. Okay, okay go ahead. With my dad. Okay. Yeah, and um, it was that he took the salvation process so... Um, he took it so seriously. Wow, good. That um, I remember that um, there was a time that I had a friend, a girlfriend, and she invited me for a party. Okay. And um, um, I asked my father if I could go for the party, and he said no. Hmm. And I asked why, and he said, because he doesn't like my friend. Hmm. And I was alarmed and said, why don't you like my friend? I've been moving with this girl, and you never told me <laughs> that you didn't like her. her. <laughs> and now that I want to go to a party, you are saying no. That um, Remember that my dad is a priest. Mm -hmm. He was a priest. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, how come you have never called her, counseled her? You know, I was just taken aback, and um, I was uh, upset. And I told him that... Um, um, <laughs> I remember, I can't really remember, but I remember uh, um, after addressing, I threatening him that I was not going to come home again. I'll stay in okay, school okay. and I'll go to as many parties <laughs> as I wanted. <laughs> and he was so, so, so unhappy. He was that unhappy that he actually prostrated for me. Wow. That he was sorry. He never knew, I mean, that he didn't think that he should have called the girl and, um, you know, warned her about whatever he saw in her that he didn't like. Mm. And um, all he was doing was praying. And I was saying that prayer is not enough. You need to talk. You need to speak out. You mm. need to let people know exactly <laughs> mm. what was wrong. But the thing is that many times I remember, it's, um, how should I say, he humbles me. Mm. Mm. I can't say humiliates. Yeah. But it makes me know that if a man yeah. can bring himself so low for a child to mm. appease the spirit of that child just mm. for salvation, then this salvation is nothing to be toyed with. Wow. It's serious. Exactly. You know, it's 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 so serious. Mm -hmm. We should never be too proud mm -hmm. to remove whatever we make a soul say no to god mm. no matter how we have to humble ourselves we should strive to do that mm. to win that soul to god exactly wow yeah. I, I, I mean th this uh, experience you have shared is is truly truly humbling and now i understand why you are saying that that, that you, are, you are searching for another word aside from guilt in this uh, in, in this context because uh, then uh, there is a place where maybe guilt because you don't listen to a person uh, who has now passed on but there's also the place as you have described now uh, the feeling of more of admiration of the extent a person was 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 prepared to go for the sake of the gospel and i think that is i mean that's a phenomenon as well, where uh, after a person has departed, you think back to the extent that person was prepared to go for the sake of the gospel or for the sake of your own salvation. 
And then the Holy Spirit uses that either to draw you to Christ or where, when you have already been in Christ to motivate you to persist uh, and to, to endure the pilgrim road. And and I love that you have shared. This is a very beautiful one indeed. And and it, it ties into the theme of what we are discussing there, uh, the theme of whether, you, whether the Holy Spirit uses what those who have gone before us, what they have done in our lives to also encourage us to stay on the pilgrim road. Uh, is go on. Go ahead. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I, I'd like to just make a contribution regarding the guilt of those who have passed. Mm. Um, uh, the Bible gives an example. Okay. Now, it's, it's, it's the opposite of what we're looking at. In Luke chapter 16, okay. the Bible talks Luke's. about okay, yeah. Lazarus and the rich man. Mm-hmm. The Bible said Lazarus died, mm. the rich man also died. Yeah. But the guilt at this time was with the person who has actually died. And, <laughs> and the Bible was showing us yeah. um, something that could happen on the other side, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, if that is possible on the other side, that tells me, I mean, that's exactly what happens on this side as well. Yeah. So, if the life had been lived in a different way, and um, I've attended many funeral programs yeah. where people come to give testimonies about people who have gone and everything. Yeah. And there was a particular one I attended. I know the pastor was saying to the children of the lady, of the woman who passed, like, your mother has all these great testimonies. Mm. Let your life also show the light to, the, to people. Exactly. Now, the point I'm making is that people can, I mean, you can have the guilt if we do not live our life in a right way and you find yourself. And I think that's what Christiana found, the situation Christiana found herself, mm. thinking, like, Why? Why am I? What am I still doing here? He begged us to go with him. Exactly. Now, that body that I was running away from, I'm carrying the same thing. Nobody now. Like, yeah. What was I thinking of? So, I mean, I think that's where the guilt comes in. Yeah. And like I said, if the rich man could feel the guilt, mm. yes, definitely, those who are still on this side as well will feel the guilt if they have made errors in their judgment. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, thank you very much. And Lao, just before you go, you know, so I mean, what does this tell us? It tells us that uh, those of us who are already in Christ, as Sister Bioden Seka mentioned, we just persist in, in, in showing the light. We persist in doing what is right. We persist in, in, live, in living godly examples, knowing that whether during our lifetime or after we have gone, these examples will, will inspire others, right? It's real. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Because what we do, I mean, um, what do you say now? Yorubas will say what we do today becomes history tomorrow. Yeah. And it is written down. And everything we are writing, we are reading today also, is something is the life that some people have lived. Absolutely. The disciples live the life and we are living it now. Paul lived the life that is inspiring us today. And the life we are all living now, as we will say to, I mean, as they will say about us, our children, those who, who, who will come after them, same mm. thing we say about our parents. Yeah. But, uh, um, <laughs> you and I, we talk about daddy every time. Yes. I mean, every time we talk, we come back to some <laughs> things that are said to us and all of that. And yes. yes, of course, things we do would definitely inspire others. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and in fact, I think that's the lesson we can take away from this first part of chapter two uh, with, with Christiana thinking back to to her husband, what her husband was prepared to endure for the sake of 
of his love for the Savior, for the sake of the promise made in, in that book that he held. And on, on the one hand, we look at, and I, and I thank Sister B for pointing us to this. On the one hand, we look at great examples and we say to us, look, those great examples uh, can also inspire or can be used by the Holy Spirit to draw us closer to the Lord or to draw a sinner into the fold of Christ. On the other hand, the feelings of guilt as well, maybe a son or a daughter who did not listen to a godly parent would, after the passing of that parent, then say to himself, wow, ha, and my mom told me, and my dad told me, and who knows, the Holy Spirit uh, could then use that as the means to draw that uh, that one to to the Lord's side. So, uh, what is the what is the takeaway from this that we should persist in in godly examples, in living godly lives that we serve as an example to others? If there is anyone who is in a scenario like that where your child or children have not come to know the Lord, you just persist in showing them godly examples, in praying for them, and you just never know what the Lord would do, what the Lord would do, whether the Lord would use that as the means to draw others. We have this on WhatsApp. Thank you, Mami Oji, sending this. It says, if you know that one of your loved ones is in the celestial city, it motivates you so also to be able to get eternal life. And I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. There are many, many people who are looking forward to being reunited with their loved ones, you know. So if you know that your loved one is in the celestial city, it's also a motivation. Uh, it's a motivation as well. Indeed, if we, if we were to articulate all the things that could motivate a person to be on the on the pilgrim road, there will be many of them. And as long as none of them is self-serving, there will be valid motivations. Uh, the most valid would be the love of Christ. I mean, all of them could be there as long as the love of Christ is also there. But I fully agree that thinking that thinking about your loved ones in heaven would always always be a motivation to to uh, to stay on the pilgrim road. Paul himself wrote, you know, to the Thessalonians when he was trying to encourage, said, "Look, uh, comfort yourself with these words. Comfort yourself with these words. Comfort yourselves with the assurance that the time will come when we all will be forever, forever with the Lord." Thank you also very much. We always try to close at 9.30 so that we don't uh, hold back for too long. We are going to continue from uh, the midway of chapter 2 and then read chapter 3 tomorrow. Uh, if you have takeaways from this study, we'd like to hear from you. We are glad to have been joined today in the virtual studio by Sister Bumia Deshino. Thank you very much. She's the convener of the Winning Warrior Wives. And also, Sister Eddie of Mojala, thank you for joining us for the first time. Uh, we also had uh, Sister Yemi Okunlade, who has now left, but we are glad that you are joining us in the virtual studio. I want us to sing this song, Draw Me Nearer, as our closing song for tonight. If you have a takeaway from this study, we are going to ask for it after singing this hymn, your takeaway from, from today's study. I'm thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice. And I suppose that that will be the song of Christiana at this point, saying, Lord, I have heard thy voice, draw me nearer, draw me nearer to thee.
Amen. And I do pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to draw us, draw us to himself in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have this from Sister Tutu on WhatsApp saying, For me, I think Christiana's reminiscence of her husband is allegoric of the relationship that should exist between a Christian and our Lord. And I do agree with that. And I do agree that we can also read that into this, that as she, uh, as she was thinking of her husband, uh, it is the same way that we should be thinking of our Lord, our Lord as well. Yes, and I love that. It's a symbolism that we shouldn't lose as well. I remember when he said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I suffered for you. Remember how I suffered for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I love this. Thank you very much uh, for pointing that out. And that's a theme that we should actually actually build on as we go as we go along thank you also very much another beautiful time before the lord i look forward to you joining us again tomorrow sunday october 29 at 8 30 we are going to conclude chapter two and also read of the visit from mrs timorous and mercy i'm sure that for those who were with us in the first part mrs timorous that should ring a bell in your head about mrs timor a visit from mrs timorous and mercy uh, anyone who is led should please say the closing prayer. Yeah. Please. Members of the Readers Club, please feel free to unmute and, and lead us in the closing prayer. Anyone led by the Spirit? Thank you. And so, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And so, our Father and God, we thank you. Daddy, we appreciate you for this grace. Thank you, Lord. To come before you and to learn at your feet. Thank you for your song that you have used to convey this. Thank you for your children that has contributed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening our heart to you. Thank you, thank, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Father and our God, we pray. That as we go on in this pilgrimage, that you keep us to keep on in Jesus' name. Amen. We will not look back in Amen. the name of Jesus. Amen. As the cloud of witnesses, as they surround us and they witness to our heart, the witnesses that are gone, the witnesses around us that are living, will be a source of encouragement for us to keep on on this journey in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit of God, we pray that your grace that is all sufficient, that your power that is good, we continue to keep on in Jesus' name. Amen. We not fail, nor falter. Amen. These lessons, they will come to us, they will be of benefit to our lives, Amen. and will be channel of blessings in bringing others to your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Lord. We, commit ourselves into your holy hands this evening spirit soul and body we pray you keep us sound and blameless in jesus name Amen. perfect Amen. In the name of jesus Amen. reveal yourself Amen. mightily unto us more in jesus name Amen. the grace to grant unto us in the name of jesus Amen. and let your word be light unto our uh, path in Amen. the name of jesus Amen. thank you Jesus for loving us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because we are going to have a beautiful night Amen. and our night, our sleep shall be rewarding in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you also very much. Thank you, Sister B, Sister Bumadeshino Thank you as always. 
Mr. D, so, thank you. I do um, many of your returns. Your birthday was just uh, recent. Many of your returns to you again. Safumbi, thank you for always. Sister Yemisi, my special, special sister. God bless you. And God bless you. And for those who have left the virtual studio as well. And for everybody there at gospelbestradio.com, God bless you, Rigo. Let us all uh, resolve in our hearts to see this through, right? It's going to be as rewarding as the first part, I'm sure, by the grace of God. God bless you all. Happy night rest. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Christ.